Hi, and welcome to Australia's first Let's Talk Tiny Houses podcast. My name is Christine, and ever since laying eyes on my first tiny house, I wanted to know more about the movement, the lifestyle, the communities, and most of all, how I can go tiny. While on my tiny journey, gathering information and meeting amazing like-minded people, I started thinking, apart from my business, how could I contribute back to the movement? Then I was introduced to podcasting and that was my light bulb moment. I'm so thrilled that through this podcast, I am able to bring you an amazing cast of co-hosts who all bring their own unique skills, knowledge, and advice to each episode. All of us are extremely passionate about the tiny house movement and want to share our experience, expertise, and enthusiasm with our listeners. Each week, we will bring you a special guest interview or particular hot topic discussion that relates to tiny living for your listening pleasure. Okay, let's jump in and find out who we have with us this week. Hi everyone and welcome to this week's episode of Let's Talk Tiny Houses. Patty's here. Yay! How are you going, Patty? Good, thank you. Yes, yes, we're we're on an interview role at the moment, aren't we? We are, we're cracking them out. Yeah. So everyone who's been in the Facebook group would know who we're interviewing today. We're here at Kennards, who have generously lent us their media room for this meeting. So who is it that we have? <laughs> who is it? Who is it? Who is it? Oh. <laughs> I'm getting excited now. Yeah, oh, you should. You should. We're super excited. All my friends would know, and people who are following on my business page would know that I've been following this man since he started this initiative because I just thought it's fantastic. So, without further ado, let's introduce Norm McGillivray. How are you, Norm? I'm very well. I'm very excited and very honoured to be here. Oh, thank you, Norm. Thank you. So, you're the mastermind behind <laughs> Bed Down. <laughs> mastermind. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Sounds like a Dr. Evil type. <laughs> <laughs> Evil mastermind. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. The, the good version of that. Yeah. So, Bed Down, for those who haven't heard of it, who are living under a rock, so it's pop-up accommodation for homeless people in unutilised spaces. That's right. Yeah, the first space. You're absolutely right, Christine and, and Paddy. Thank, thanks for having me on. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, we, we take spaces that are busy during the day, left empty and vacant at night time, and activate and repurpose them into popular accommodation to provide safety, shelter, security, services, and a place to sleep for people that are sleeping off on the streets of Australia. We love that. Um, and within the tiny house community, there is a focus on um, seeing how tiny homes can help be one solution in the future for homelessness. So it's really something that's dear to our hearts as well. Yeah. I love the story of how it started. So yeah. um, I know you've told it lots and lots. Would you say, would you just tell us your story sure, again? Because sure. it's such, it's so good. Thank you. So you probably gather, or your listeners will probably gather that I'm um, not a local boy to Australia, originally from the UK. <laughs> and the story really of Bed Down really starts many, many years ago. And we're going to travel back in a time machine, back to Back to the 70s, great era, by the way, <laughs> 70s. A place called Coventry, which is in central England. My mum and dad were happily married. My dad had a successful shop fitting business. He was a carpenter by trade. 
In his early 30s, he suffered a stroke, which immobilised his right-hand side. Uh, his face dropped, impeded his speech. That was the end of the business. He was heavily disabled. Now, my mum was looking after a very small child, which was myself, and now my dad was heavily disabled. That put a lot of stress and strain in the relationship. They separated and got divorced, and my dad found himself on the streets of London, homeless, in the 70s. From there, I have vague recollections of him coming in and out of my life. I don't even know what time had passed. I just remember him being around at a certain point for a few weeks. My mum would get him tidied up. I didn't inherit my dad's hair, by the way. <laughs> so my mum would get him haircuts, shave, give him some new clothes, and then he'd go back to the streets of London. And then at the age of 42, he suffered a heart attack, which ended his life. And I was 11 at the time and powerless and helpless to do anything about it. And here we are 40 years into the future, and now I've got the opportunity to help someone else's dad, someone else's mom, someone else's son or daughter with bed down. Mm. It's a sort of like heart touching story, <laughs> um, but also from the positive you've made from it and what you're doing now for other people is just so wonderful. Thank so you. it's really good. Thank you. It's the, it's the main motivation for me. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, well done. Thank you. So, um, we were just uh, talking before the interview as well when you had the light bulb moment. Yep. Um, and you were in Carindale, went in there and saw <laughs> that it was empty mm -hmm. in the car, carport uh, or the underground car park. And um, it came to you. That's right. Yes. That's right. So maybe a few steps before we get to the light bulb moment oh, yeah. was, well, we came out to Australia, this awesome part of the world in 2008. My wife's a mental health nurse, so we were sponsored through Queensland Health to come over to Australia. I used to work in the automotive industry, Jaguar cars, stepped off a plane in Rockhampton. I thought, <laughs> right, okay, so where do they make cars around here? That was the first challenge. But I got a job with Queensland Government. And we spent a few years in Rocky, lived at a little place called Yapoon, which is paradise, mm -hmm. a couple of minutes to the beach. And you go to the beach, there's no one on the beach. It's like, far out, this is beautiful. <laughs> spent a few years there. My wife was then offered a position down here in Brisbane in correctional mental health at a place called Wacom. Mm -hmm. Trying to get a transfer with Queensland Government. They never had a job for me to come to in Brisbane. So here I am again, leaving that job to come down to Brisbane. But one of the not-for-profit organisations that we used to partner with heard I was coming to Brisbane and they offered me a position which was awesome. So I didn't have to look for a job, straight into a job, into a, into a management job. And I spent nearly eight, it would have been eight years in November 2018, I would have made it to eight years. But that was an organization that was heavily dependent on government funding. Government funding over the years declined, the, the business declined and business shrank. And I was let go in August of 2018. And it wasn't a surprise, I could see the writing was gonna be on the wall. It was just a matter of when was it gonna happen. So the first thing you do when you're made redundant is hit the internet and hit the job market and apply for lots of jobs on Seek and start getting the, the dear norms were coming through and some mm. people didn't come back to me at all. And I started thinking, well, look, I've nearly spent eight years in this not-for-profit. Maybe it's time for me to start my own charitable organisation or not-for-profit. Homelessness was close to my heart, as I just mentioned about my father's story. And when I hit, hit the internet and started looking at the current state of affairs, Things ain't getting any better, they're getting worse. And for your people listening, your listeners, so in Australia in 2020, we got over 116,000 people deemed to be homeless. Then of that number, we got over 8,000 people that are sleeping off every night across Australia, on concrete, on benches, in parks, and under bridges. 
What's fascinating to me, though, is of that 8,000 people that are sleeping off, there's hundreds of people that are dying every year from being attacked, suicides, overdoses, infected wounds, pneumonia. What that actually means is here we are in 2020 and the average life expectancy of someone long-term sleeping off is just 47 years of age. And my dad died nearly 40 years ago at the age of 42. And we don't have to talk about all the technological advancements and all the medical advancements over the last 40 years. Even if you look at the last sort of five or 10 years, the incredible leaps and bounds that we've made, yet that needle hasn't moved much. Mm. So for me, it was like, this is unacceptable in 2020. We're in the first world country, so things need to change. And I was like, right, so I'm gonna do something about it. So I was like, well, if we're gonna do something in this space, it's gonna have to be something that's gonna be different and needs to be a meaningful impact. I don't wanna replicate and duplicate all the amazing services that are currently out there. So I was like, okay, what am I gonna do about it? (laughs) You know, far out, what am I gonna do? So I spent a few days thinking about this problem and lots of ideas on post-it notes on a bedroom wall, nothing was connecting and resonating. And I find with problem solving, it's good to take yourself out of the boiling pot if you're not getting anywhere, you're hitting a bit of a brick wall in terms of the creative thinking. So I thought some, some people might watch TV, they might read, they might meditate, you know, whatever floats people's boats. For me, I thought I'm going to take myself off for a coffee, some retail therapy. Mm-hmm. And I live out near Redland Bay, Carindale Shopping Centre is the shopping centre, big shopping centre near me. I thought I'm just going to take myself off there. And as you've indicated, I got to the car park, I opened the car door, and that's where the light bulb moment happened for bed down because I was in an empty car park pretty much. There was only a few cars. And I started thinking, well, this is a great shelter. It's clean. I wonder if anyone's doing anything in car parks. I started getting all these ideas. I grabbed my phone out, I got an iPhone. There's an app on the iPhone called Measure, which I don't know what phone you guys have got, but what it does is when you open that app, it allows you to measure a space in augmented reality. So here I am walking around this car parking bay and taking all these measurements. There is someone in the car looking People at People have been wondering what yeah, they were doing. What's this crazy dude doing <laughs> with his phone walking around this car park bay? So I grabbed a coffee, rushed home, straight onto Google again, car park, shelter, homeless. Couldn't find anything. I was like, right, okay, that's good. Next thing was, so what's this going to look like? Someone's going to come and sleep in a car park. What they're going to sleep on because I don't want to be carrying around these huge mattresses because logistically that'd be very challenging. So more research, inflatable mattresses have come a long way in recent years from the days of the old foot pumps or trying to inflate them with your mouth and getting all dizzy. You can literally just take a plug out, plug it into the wall, flick a switch, inflates on its own, deflates on its own. So right, okay. Car parks as a shelter, inflatable mattresses for people to sleep on. Last part of the puzzle was who are the major car park operators. After some more research, secure parking the largest car park operator in Australia and New Zealand. They operate over 600 car parks across both countries. So on their website, digging deep, found the executive team, CEO's Peter Anson. So right, okay, over to LinkedIn. Found him on LinkedIn, stalked him on LinkedIn, sent him a message. You're a stalker too. Yeah, not, <laughs> not as, uh, I might need to get some tips off you though, from, from what I'm seeing today. <laughs> and um, I sent Peter a message saying, Hi Peter, my name's Norm, I've got this idea to help the homeless, would really love to speak to you about it. And to his credit, he came back pretty quickly saying, Hi Norm, well that sounds interesting, but we'd love to hear what the idea is, here's my email. Send me an email, I'm thinking, oh no. 
you know what it's like with email, depending on how you receive it, you know, and the tone it's written in, you, you can interpret it. In, yeah, you can yeah. interpret it in a number of different ways. So I was like, far out, I don't want to be dumping them in email. So like, hi Peter, we'd really love to meet you face to face to talk you through the concept. He came back super quick. Norm, I'm super busy. You're probably super busy. What's this idea of yours? I'm like, oh, how am I going to structure this email? I've only got you've only got one shot. So here I am on a Friday afternoon trying to structure this email. Dear Peter, this is the issue around Australia with homelessness. This is what I want to do. You've got all this underutilised infrastructure at night time and about 10 dot points. And underneath that, it's like secure parking could be a first mover in this space, community goods, corporate social responsibility, blah, 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 blah. And I hit the send button and I was thinking, oh, maybe a dear norm off him or he won't come back to me at all. So I'm back on to seek and let's see what new jobs have come up in the recent weeks. Then honestly, it must have been 10 or 15 minutes, he came back saying, this sounds like a really great idea, let's arrange a face-to-face. And even now, when I, yes. whenever I talk about that, you know, because I've got no hair on my head, <laughs> the hair on my arms stand up. So, um, <laughs> But the interesting thing from there, and it's trying to articulate this next bit, and hopefully I don't lose the listeners, that was the validation I got for Bed Down, mm. because this was the CEO of uh, the largest car park operator here in Australia, and I'm thinking, wow. And something changed inside of me in, in that point. And, and the only way I can articulate this, and hopefully you don't think I'm crazy, is whenever you meet someone in life and you fall in love with that person, you get to that point where it's like, it's time to move in together. Let's go around looking at a, an apartment or a house and you go through lots of houses or apartments and nothing fits the bill. And then you walk into that one house or apartment. It's like, this is where we belong. This is where we're going to spend the rest of our, our lives together. I'd found a place where I belonged and this was my purpose. So something changed inside and that's the best That's the best way of articulating it. I've, I've been managed to come up with yeah. to date. Maybe it would have been a tiny home you walk into. Um, well, I think this the, is the, the tiny house people, we yeah. describe it as finding your tribe. Yeah, so I, you know, yeah. I, I, I got the validation and I found my purpose and nothing was going to stop me at that point for bringing bed down um, to those that need it. So a few weeks later, I flew into Sydney and I met with Peter. Um, he didn't know the backstory, so I set the context around my dad. I prepared this big PowerPoint presentation to take him through. And I got about four or five slides in and he put his hand up and said, Norm, we're on board, we want to help you with this. I was like, far out. That was November That's 2018. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And naively, naively at that point, I thought, I'm going to start welcoming guests in and put them in beds in car parks. But unfortunately, red tape and bureaucracy kicked in. Oh, no! <laughs> but you kept, you kept pushing through that red tape, though, and you got there. Yeah, so in December 2018, I thought, right, I will go and meet with the local council. And in my head, the conversation, I thought, would be something like, wow, well, that sounds like a really good idea. What do we need to help you to make this happen? It didn't go that way. Mm. It became a, you need to talk to planning and you need yeah. to think about building code and all this other stuff. I was like, oh no. And then in amongst all this as well, I'm, I'm thinking, well, how am I going to get this charity off the ground? I haven't got any money to do it personally. And I'm thinking the best probably, I, I, I estimated, it, it turned out to be really quite a bad estimate, by the way. Of, I needed 40k to get this thing off the ground and that would cover a website, legal fees, buying beds, hiring equipment, training, insurances, so on and so forth. 
and from some research I'd done online, I thought 40k would be the figure. I'm thinking, well, where am I going to get this money from? So I thought I'll crowdsource it. So I used a platform called GoFundMe, mm-hmm. and I set a campaign up in December. And I'm thinking, ooh, this is going to go one or two ways also, because I was conscious Christmas was around the corner. And I'm thinking, well, look, it's the season of goodwill or giving, or, you know, people might be cash-strapped because they've spent the money on their family and friends. It became the latter. And then just before Christmas, having met with council, and they were throwing things like DAs and $5,000 per development application, I'm thinking, far out. That's a spanner in the works that I wasn't, you know, catering for my $40,000. So when I got to the back end of Christmas and into the new year, and I raised about $1,200 to $1,500 on GoFundMe, I'm thinking, well, that's good. People have actually donated, which I was thankful and grateful for, but it wasn't gaining the traction and momentum that I needed it to to get this thing cranking. So I had to change my strategy in the new year last year. And um, I thought, right, I'll start reaching out. The first thing was, does anyone know anyone in the planning space, like a planning consultancy? And quite quickly, someone said, hey, you need to go and meet with the Walter Consulting Group, Natalie Raymond, and and tell her what you're looking to do. So I arranged a coffee in January of 2019 with Natalie, told her a story, and got to the end of the the conversation, and she said, how can we help you? I was like, well, actually, this is the challenge I've got at the moment with Brisbane City Council. And she goes, we'll help you with that. And that then was the start of many conversations to bring in the help along the way. So um, planning, we've got an architect that then helped with providing drawings and building code and compliance and fire engineering and ventilation engineering. Uh, Lawyers to help us get set up as a charitable organization. There was an organization that funded the build of the website. So it all started to come together. And then when you start look when you start seeing some of the costs associated with someone else thinking, oh that forty thousand dollars was way off the mark. <laughs> so yeah. Wow. Yeah. How many um, partnerships and um, sponsors we've seen the banner on the um, in on, December on, you were on uh, Channel Seven News. October. October. Yeah. Um, and they had they yes. did a slide across the banner and I was trying to I was like, oh yeah. That, that was that was so that was really around organisations that helped at the back end mm-hmm. in terms of helping to get bed down set up and then all the organisations we collaborate in terms of delivering services. So in terms of bed down, we, we sort of mentioned actually what it is in terms of taking space that's busy during the day, empty at night time, and we activate and repurpose it into pulp accommodation. But in terms of the structure of bed down, the foundations that I'm building bed down on is three core foundations. And I'll quickly run through yes, them and, and hopefully that answers the questions about those that banner that you were just talking about. Yes. So the first, the first core foundation is the very logical one, which is we believe everyone deserves a bed to sleep in, first and foremost. The second core foundation is the most important of the core foundations, but it's the longest one. So I'll tell you what it is and I'll cut it in half and go into more detail. Mm-hmm. So the second core foundation is it's about repairing the quality of life before building a life of quality. So wrapped around the premise of providing a safe, secure, comfortable environment for people to get a good night's sleep, we collaborate with other charitable organisations and service providers. So you mentioned the Channel 7 video earlier, the news story. So we have a mobile doctor and nurse come in, we have a dentist come in, we have social workers, counsellors, food and beverages, hairdressers, new clothing. That's all about repairing the quality of life of our guests. And I should say... 
the term we use the terminology guests because we want to welcome people in as if they're part of the family or family friend hence the the, the term guests yeah so that helps to repair the quality of life of our guest and restore dignity respect self-esteem and confidence building a life of quality is then okay how do we get this person from their current situation into a longer term solution what does that look like education training employment accommodation or rehabilitation or a combination of all those factors we move someone into a longer term solution and provide the support around that it means they're not coming back to use bed down which then leads into our final core foundation which is the big hairy audacious goal but you've got to have the heart and the vision to to try and strive towards something from day one and that is to expedite the end of bed down so at some point in the future we want to put this organization out of business but look we realize and we're not naive that it's not an overnight fix but it's something that we want to strive towards yes. in the future yeah oh that's just that's, tremendous that's yeah. so inspiring it is so inspiring thank you yeah thank you. but it's all about collaboration so mm-hmm. we're not trying to work in a silo we're, we're looking to work with other organizations that help to solve the issue of homelessness in particular homelessness is multi-layered but this is around rough sleeping people mm-hmm. that are sleeping rough Yes, so um, if people go online to look at the statistics around homelessness, they'll see that, that I think there's about eight different categories that um, the numbers are broken down yeah. into. Um, so one of our questions was, um, who are your guests? Do you mainly, what's the demographic? Is it mainly men, mainly women, so, or an age okay. group? Yeah, so we, we ran a two-week pilot at the end of September into mid-October last year. And this has never been done before. So there's no blueprint for bed down. We're we're creating it as we're going. And we had 41 guests come through the pilot, 77% male, 23% female. Wide age range. So we're not allowed to accept anyone under the age of 18. Because of all the bureaucracy and red tape that we actually went through to get the the venue activated, when you go under 18, that's a whole other level of minefield when you're playing with the the youth under 18. Mm. Youth goes up to sort of 24 when you look at youth in homelessness, but under 18s, it's a whole other level of minefield when you're dealing with child safety. The youngest person that had to try to access bed down during that time was just 15 years of age. So we had to get him into child safety. But yeah, wide age range. We had everything from 18 up, up to like late 50s, early 60s. Wow. How did they hear about Bed Down? Like how did they get in touch? Yeah, so that's a good that? question. So for the pilot, we tried to identify people ahead of time. And we didn't go out mass market it because we didn't want to have the big issue of like turning people away. Too much Because demand. that's heartbreaking. Yeah. But then interestingly enough, Queensland Police Service became one of our biggest referrals because they started going out onto the streets and, and finding people and saying, hey, can we send this person to bed down? We say, yes. Other charitable organisations like Orange Sky mm-hmm. and there's another organisation called Valley Hearts started referring people. And then guests would talk to other people as well and bring people in. We very quickly uh, reached our capacity. We had 50, we, The idea was we were actually going we to provide 30 beds join the pilot and everyone gets a queen size mattress we don't want to provide singles and people roll out onto the concrete yeah. we want to give people the opportunity to get into a real comfy sleep stretch out yeah. enjoy enjoy their time with us the reality hit on the first night 
when, as I was mentioning, there's no blueprint for what we're doing. So we're, we're creating it as we're going that it's like, we're not going to be able to set up a 30 beds. I just haven't got the volunteer resource to be able to do that. So we had to bring it back to 15 beds, which was a learning, was a learning, mm -hmm. but I had to have a core group of volunteers for the pilot, which we had, but the, then it, we came to the realization that we wouldn't have enough for the 30 beds. So we had to make the adjustments accordingly. So we reached capacity probably within a few days. We were maxing out the capacity of 15 beds every night. And we had a couple of couples, so that would take it more than 15 people. Oh. So we had some, I think, I think we, we actually reached 21 as the most people on one night. Wow. Yeah, we had, we had three couples there. So um, the most people we had to turn away was nine people on mm. one night. So the word did start to get around. So it was the first in best dress model that we had to adapt to. And what time um, were, were you operating yeah. between? So we were there setting up from 6.30 at night time. And some people, some guests were already arriving to, to make sure they were like first in the queue. And then we would check guests in at 9 o'clock at night, between 9 and 10 p.m. And then we had to be out by 6 a.m. the next morning. Ah. Um, so um, with the cleanup, do you have cleaners? On yeah, board, so using the facilities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the 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 venue that we're operating out of is, is a, an amazing venue. It has what they call an end of trip facility within it. So for your listeners, within multi-story buildings now, office office buildings. If anyone sort of cycles into work or goes jogging at lunchtime, they provide what they call an end of trip facility, which is showers, toilets, changing rooms. This had the most amazing end of trip facility in it. I think we've raised the bar and expectations way <laughs> yeah. too high because it's like a like a health spa. Ooh. So it, honestly, it was be beautiful. It's it's a beautiful venue, but then we're very conscious that we needed to hand it back probably cleaner than we sort of picked it up. Mm -hmm. So we have cleaners come through. We also have security there overnight, and we're fully staffed overnight with volunteers as well to watch over guests. So if they do wake up in the night and they need to go to the toilet, we escort them to the toilet and back. So, so yeah, we have all those services come in, and they would be one of the one of the organisations yeah. coming coming through on that banner that you would have, you would have seen. Yeah, so, oh, so, yeah. and I suppose um, with uh, future venues, that's great that you do have the yes. entire process covered. It's like that's right. you're leaving no or minimal impact there so it's really like a win-win so the beauty of bed down and it was always in my mindset from day one was the very principle of having a pop-up solution would be it would pop up and pop down with minimal disruption to a business and car parks are great for that yeah because we look at we operate in car parks that close at nine so that window of when it's closed between sort of 10 till six in the morning is perfect because yeah. the place is virtually empty and we're utilising the space for good. Wow, what a great episode. I would like to thank you for listening and I really hope you enjoyed this week's discussion. I would like to now invite you over to our exclusive Facebook group where you as our listeners will be able to interact with us, each other, see photos and additional extras that accompany each episode and be the first to know what we have coming up. If there is a particular topic you would like to hear more about or someone you think we need to interview, please drop us a line at letstalktinyhouses at gmail.com or via our Facebook group. 
You can find this podcast series on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. And while you're there, please show your love by giving us a rating. Hopefully it's five stars. Our show notes will be available on Podbean along with any podcast corrections and amendments. The Let's Talk Tiny Houses podcast is brought to you by myself, Christine Murphy, and my business, OCD, Organizing, Cleaning and Decluttering Specialist, which can be found on Facebook or through my website, ocdpro.com.au. I would like to thank all my co-hosts for their amazing contributions and Joanne Helder for editing all our audio and making us sound so fabulous. Until next week, please take care and enjoy yourself. <music>